This episode of the Bayou Dragons podcast is brought to you by Snuff Cup Spittoons. It's a really neat product that we've partnered up with Matthew Baker, the owner of Snuff Cup Spittoons, a machine washable plastic design that unscrews at the bottom. Hold your can of dip. You do your thing. Spill-proof cap. And the new XL Snuff Cups are magnetic. Listen, guys, I don't know about y'all, but at the end of the day, I like to crack open an ice-cold Lone Star Light. We would like to thank our sponsors, Lone Star Light Twisted Tea, for sponsoring the podcast. Listen, we like to have a good time. If you know us, if you're a follower of the show, we love to have a good time. We like to have that camaraderie on the back porch, whether we're grilling, whether we're chilling out, ice-cold beer in hand. Lone Star Light is the go-to. Texas-based, Texas-proud. If you guys are drinking a beer, it better be a Lone Star. And if you're not drinking a Lone Star, you better not let us hear it on the Bayou Dragons. Welcome to the Bayou Dragons podcast. Let's get into the show. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Bayou Dragons podcast. Been long overdue. Had a little bit of a break there. Um, been working, man. We've been real busy trying to get uh, get things done, get things rolling, Excited to come at you guys today with episode 18. Finally, we're joined by our good friend, Captain Ryan Morhola. What's going on, guys? He's back. He's back. He's been a very um, sought-after guest to have on again. And uh, it's funny because Ryan, I've seen Ryan a few times, uh, like when we're at events or shows, and he's like, somebody just walked up and asked, were you the guy on the Bayou Dragons podcast? Yeah, it happened to me at the uh, Texas Trophy Hunter show in Houston. Some some random dude walks up to me. He's like, hey, man, were you on the Bayou Dragons by chance? Are you Ryan? I was like, yeah, that's, that would be me. <laughs> Did you know we were going to be out there? Yeah, yeah, I knew y'all were going to be there. Yeah. That was funny. I was I was not expecting to see you out there, and you just walked up to the booth. Yeah, no, my uh, up, I got a four-year-old who's all about hunting and fishing, so he wanted to go, so we, we went and uh, did the thing, you know? Yeah. Hell, yeah. You, um... So we Matt, we haven't done a podcast since Rice Festival. I don't think. think no, you been. guys did. Um, I want to say the last one y'all did was with Casey. Oh, okay, that was yeah. After. Okay. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a busy time. We were kind of all over the place on that one. Yeah. So we're back. We're uh, in our new little studio, starting to get some stuff up, some shit hanging up behind us. So, but uh, we just had a. We just wanted to sit down with old Captain Ryan Warhol and talk to him about it's hunting season. He's been killing some deer. He's been doing some offshore fishing. He has a new company. Um, you know, just kind of go into that. And uh, I think the first thing is the snapper slapper. I'd like for you to kind of dive into that. Yeah, so we just uh, bought snapper slapper lures from uh, Woody, uh, who's been a longtime owner. He's had it for 20-something odd years now. And I heard it was coming available, so I called him up and Made an offer, and he took it, and now we own a lure company. And Snapper Slapper Lures, it's a renowned for red snapper fishing. Yeah, I mean, I mean any boat, especially in Texas, any boat that you go on is going to have a Snapper Slapper on it. And you've been fishing with them for since you were a child. Yeah, so I was actually one of the first charter services that was sponsored by Snapper Slapper Lures. I was 18 years old when I had a big red Snapper Slapper Lures stuck on the side of my boat when I was running charters out of Sabine Pass. How is that like, I, I know we have a friend that recently bought out uh, Sure Shot Game Calls and it kind of like 
continuing the heritage of a great company that that provides a, a superior product in whatever in that industry you know how how, how do you feel about that as far as like you know kind of carrying on the legacy man you you've been handed the torch yeah so i mean that's kind of the conversation i had with woody when i was looking to 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 buy it i i text him honestly and i go hey um heard there's a rumor you're trying to sell snapper slapper and he goes i'll call you in 15 minutes i said okay 15 minutes he calls me and goes, why are you interested? I said, shit, maybe how much you want to sell it for? You know I mean? And uh, we got to talking and whatnot and made a deal. And he goes, I wouldn't have sold it to anybody. I'd rather sell it to you than anybody else, Ryan, because as far as snapper fishing and everything goes, you know what this company has been through, you know, our growing pains, you were with us from the beginning. And I think you continue the legacy on with it. And that, that's what I'm going to do. I've made a few tweaks here and there, added a few different l- new lures. And um, my biggest thing was on the sales side of things, I've, I've added it to Amazon, improved the website, and looking to to make it more of a Gulf Coast and the Southern Atlantic. Uh, you know, they they snapper fish in Georgia. Well, I bet they could use a snapper slapper lure in Georgia. So that's Guaranteed. my goal. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And so. I mean, it's not just for snapper fishing. I mean, it, it, the cunning name snapper slapper. But I've caught ling. I've caught all kinds of oh, shit on yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've handed out some of our smaller ones to some guys and um, fathoms to feathers. They're on Instagram and. Those guys over there, they've been using them to catch flounder. They've been using them to catch redfish. Um, I, you know, I, another industry I think would be good is the the striped bass industry on the East Coast. And then up in Alaska, you can't tell me a halibut wouldn't eat one of those. Oh, yeah. out snapper slappers. I'm sure they would. I, I guarantee you, I, I'm going to get one, and I'm going to go catch some white bass on Toledo with them. Oh, yeah, I, I have a quarter ounce. I mean, that'd be the perfect Dude. one to use. It'd be I'm, interesting to, to just go and try and catch, uh, like, whatever dis- different species we can. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just, just everything with snapper slapper. On snapper slapper. It, it doesn't catch just snapper. King of bass, baby. King <laughs> yeah, of bass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, that's fun, man. You seem to. Um, I I noticed this, like you know, in our talks and stuff. You seem to have a pretty good, you know, work life balance when it comes to those kind of things. Like I'm honestly kind of jealous of it. Like I feel like um, you're you're really the way you've structured your life um, is beneficial to your businesses and your passions. And you've, you've been able to kind of cross those two in a, in a healthy and, you know, in a way that, you know, not saying it's not hard work. Like I know that that's gotta be, you know, you're driven and you have a passion for all these things, but, um, you know, they seem to intertwine in in a good way for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, every, everything kind of, kind of works together when it comes to it, especially with snapper slapper and the fishing. And obviously I love fishing. Anybody who knows me knows I, I fish, all summer long, even during the wintertime for Wahoo and whatnot. And, and even with the other companies that we do, I try to mold everything entertainment-wise with hunting and fishing. I, I don't play golf. Uh, I hunt and fish. Yeah, well, that's good. You have two hobbies that take up a lot of time. If you threw in golf, it would just throw one out of whack. Yeah. And you would I'd, you'd be I'd, shit at golf. I do that's all just, three of those things, and I'm terrible at golf, and I don't even know why I still play. You know, I, I tried to play golf one time, and – if I wanted to hit the fairway in front of me, I'd have to go 180 degrees the other way, and it would slice <laughs> to the fairway. So I just gave up on golf altogether. I just got so, so just I was like, man, I'm done with this. I, I suck. <laughs> have you? Um, I, I, it's been a little bit. Like I know you sent me some pictures like a week or two, maybe two weeks ago. Have you been off lately? Get went snapper fishing or anything? So Any trips lately? You know, um, my most recent trip, I took my four year old offshore. And it was nice, calm day. We went out, and he he was on my ass, Daddy. I want to bring my pole. I said, okay, you're not. Oh, I I put it in the boat just to appease him. Didn't think we were going to use it. 
he caught nine mahi and a triple tail on his yeah. little uh, his little his little pole. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about no little chicken mahi either. I'm talking about mahi we had to gaff and. Um, Yo, he had a blast. Now he's just – he's the offshore fisherman now. That's all he wants to do anymore is go offshore. So <laughs> Bug got him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we had a conversation earlier. We were talking about it. It was uh, – I've, I've been offshore one time. Uh, we came back and we spoke about it on a podcast uh, previously. But I was telling Ryan, you know, and he was the one that brought us out there. I said, man, when I got back, I was just kind of like thinking about what what have I been doing wrong. Like I, my, my whole life, my whole perspective on – the way that I've structured my life changed after I got back off of that boat. I was like, man, like I would, I could live out here. Like I could live for this. And it was like, Oh, it was kind of a little dangerous thinking there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's not just the fishing too. It's the, it's the sunrise and the sunset oh, when you're man. out there spending the night offshore and you just see things that 95% of the population has never seen before. I would probably say more than that. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, 7 billion people on earth. Yeah. I, I bet most people haven't been 150 miles offshore in that kind of situation, maybe a cruise boat, you know, or yeah. something, but not up close feet dangling in the water, drinking a scotch. And that you know, salt water, man, that salt water is so good for your skin too. Yeah, dude, that salt water is good for your skin. I heard that from somebody. That's the rumor I keep hearing. Yeah. that's uh, It's such an incredible experience. It was like, a, it was just like a phenomenon for me to have been out there and seen that man. And I'm incredibly grateful uh, that you allowed me that experience, man. Yeah. What do we get? So, cause those are, Two trips in a row. We caught a blue map. Yeah, we the caught uh, we caught the five hundred pound blue, and I've been meaning to talk to you about this. We'll we'll come back to it in a minute. But um, <clears throat> we caught the blue marlin. Um, you were out there flinging that spinning reel, catching mahi, oh, yeah, and tuna the, off the front of the boat, the broomstick, um, <laughs> throwing the broomstick. Man, that was crazy. That was such a fun fun time. Yeah, man. that was wild. That a broomstick. How even that broomstick came into the equation, <laughs> and then uh, like. What is this going to do? And then, like, third cast, boom, 60-pound oh. yellowfin. Like, <laughs> yeah. holy shit, this thing works. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing that. We're catching uh, – we had some some sharks and uh, culled through the sharks a little bit, but we, we trolled quite a bit. Uh, like, my, my highlight of the whole trip was just, like – I was just out there jigging for bait, dude. Like, I had so much fun doing that, man. And, um, yeah, it was just all around. It was incredible, dude. Y'all caught some good tuna, too, while y'all were jigging for bait, Yeah, didn't oh, yeah. We, yeah. We got up and just grinded at four in the morning. Yeah, I slept a little bit that that second morning. I was pretty whipped, but no, well, yeah, y'all are driving the boat and captaining the whole time. I mean, for people like us that you know aren't doing that, we have to put in the work and other you know letting rods out if we're not reeling in fish, you know, catch so bait. And here's shit like here's how I feel about that when it comes to things like that, and I kind of translate that into like what I do, like what my bread and butter is. And that's, that's mainly waterfowl hunting. When I'm spending a lot of time out in the marsh and I'm taking people out there, I would rather be the one to do the work to not necessarily, you know, not to sound cocky, but to ensure the success in the ways that I know how, you know, and, and take that off of somebody else and say, Hey, look, I know what I'm doing out here. Here's how we're going to do it. You don't even worry about it. I'll handle it. Right. So for, for those types of things, when it comes to getting on a reel and, and knowing, you know, when to reel, 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 and, and instead of having somebody who's never done that and kind of gets into like a state of, oh, my God, what do I do? You know what I mean? So, like, for, the, for those big-time moments, you want to ensure the success of those moments and, and that you can land that fish or that you can, you can go out there and do what you set out to do. So if it takes, you know, saying, all right, look, you guys just chill out. That was kind of the environment that we had, you know, to ensure the success of the trip that we were just kind of like, all right, you guys just hang out, chill out, enjoy yourselves. We got this. So for those other small things like, you know, hey, we're jigging bait. You guys can, you know, 
I was like, oh, I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm all about it. That fish put on a show for y'all too, that blue. Oh, oh that was man. if no one has seen that or is just now kind of following us, uh go back to our YouTube channel, Bayou Dragons. Uh we have a YouTube channel and you can look at how long's the video, Matt? It's it's a incredibly long video. And I apologize <laughs> for that. It's about a forty five minute video. Um, but you'll be able to see on the on the bar, you know, uh when the, the highlight points are of the video. But it was an incredible uh, blue marlin catch we leadered it up to the boat got it i mean up close and personal this just yeah insanely it, large uh you know fish it was it was incredible man the colors uh the action and just the way that the interaction went between us and the fish and, and getting manipulating this giant beast right up next to the boat it was incredible man uh, it's something that, that the video does no justice for but we did get some stellar footage it was awesome yeah that was a good video too so then, and now it's starting to get winter time. Ryan, you're about to be going out. You have the Winter Wahoo Championship. Yeah, that's, that starts about January. We're starting to kind of get geared up for it. Starting to get some of our lures in, get our stuff together for it. Um, looking forward to starting another year of fishing uh, in January. And it's it's that's probably my favorite time of the year is go wahoo fishing. Yeah, get done right with deer hunting and then go straight into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we had a good tournament year this year too. I mean, we uh, we killed a blue and the uh, the shootout, Lone Star shootout in Port O'Connor, and um, man, we we had a good Texas legend showing. We we caught, went two for seven. We we had some shit luck on a few fish. We should have won that tournament. Uh, won a trophy for Mahi. Gotten a little got a little money for that, and pretty good year. So I mean, yeah, good year. And then our trip that you me, me you and Mitch went on. Oh yeah, the biggest blue anybody's Dude, ever seen. That looked yeah. incredible. Yeah, that that fish is. Uh, you know, I still. To this day, go back and forth in my head. Should we put a gaff in her and, and wait her or not? Uh, you know, nine hundred seventy nine pounds is the is the state record, and that fish was there and then some, probably just by the measurement. Yeah, and I mean one hundred and thirty nine inches forked to to lower jaw. That is a massive unit, and everything that you look at online says that's a thousand pound fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like? You have some regrets on that, or you kind of – I mean, there's kind of a, well, a silver lining to it's it, It's a right? catch-22, right? Okay, so I'm not in a tournament. Mm-hmm. It's March. We were actually winter wahoo fishing, and the wahoo bite was shit. And we were like, let's go catch some blue marlin. So we went out and put out some baits and caught two of the biggest blue marlin we we caught all year. But the, the, the catch-22 is, so this fish, if it wasn't 979 pounds and didn't break the state record, I'd have looked like a dickhead. You just killed this. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. So in my mind, it's just let it go, yeah. And, yeah. and hope we get repaid later on down the line, and we we catch one when it counts. Yeah. Well, and and for as as many people as we have that are dogging us for things, that's the conservation aspect of it. We have that respect, and you know we're we're, we're not out here just looking to kill and and smash everything we can. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. No so like it, no doubt. Deep respect for for the fish and and you know any any of the game species that we go and target. Tell yeah, Ryan about that, sure. the one we caught that we're pretty certain got caught again by that. Yeah, so uh, that that's what I was, um, that's what I meant earlier whenever we were, uh, I told you we looped back to it. So on a previous episode, we talked about it a little bit, but that, that fellow that we uh, got the broomstick from, mm-hmm. the Night Flight. Yep. Yeah, check him out on Instagram, mm-hmm. the Night Flight. Cool guy. He was, um, he was out here and he was doing work out in the Gulf and he had been watching from what he says, he had, he had been watching these marlin and, you know, the way that they were feeding, their feeding patterns, and he said that, you know, he had kind of tracked, um, you know, this marlin 
would come over in this area and, and chase the bait up and, you know, he'd watch this one for a while and then he'd see the other ones. And so he kind of had, I think he had like two, two or three blues out there that he was watching. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, the tournament fishers came out and, um, you know, the day after they had caught a marlin and, you know, brought it back in and killed it. And, um, you know, he started to see this fish isn't here anymore, but I'm still seeing these other two fish. Right. And yep. so from what I understand going off of, you know, his post and, and talking with him, uh, cause I, I messaged him back and forth, but the same Marlin that we caught and released, um, somebody had come out, was tournament fishing and caught and killed that fish and brought it in. And he was no longer seeing that fish. And it was crazy to me that that fish never got into our boat. Um, we got into close proximity of this big blue marlin, uh, but never, um, I don't think we put hands on it. We leadered it. We got it right up to the boat, but we didn't, um, what, what do you call that when they, they grab the bill and they have it alongside? Just, we just grab, I mean, that's just grabbing the bill and yeah. getting it for a picture. We just cut it off. Yeah, so we, we, we didn't cut want to stress it, it any more than exactly. what it was. So we cut it off, you know, let it, let that fish get released and, um, but that fish in particular, um, the same one we caught, the guys on the boat, Ryan, um, Captain Rob, you know, they're all out there and they were saying, that's a 500-pound fish, 500 pounds, 500 pounds. They kept saying it all weekend, that was a 500-pound fish. And I'm like, how in the world do these guys know? Like, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, they do this a lot, they see this a lot, but there's no way they're that close, right? That fish, the same one that we caught, he, he made this big, long post about it, and he said, you know, Bayou, or not Bayou Dragons, but the, the wrapped up came out here and caught this fish, released it, and then today, um, you know, these guys went and waited in. They sent him a picture, 497. Yeah, yeah, that was high cotton. Um, I was in that tournament. That was in Fort O'Connor. We killed a fish during that tournament, and that fish knocked us into fourth place out of the money. <laughs> and they're saying, yeah. so what that, what that guy was saying was that was the same marlin that we caught because he had patterned and watched this fish and then, you know, the day we caught it, he had a, yeah. you know, whatever. He saw the other two fish, and then he came, that fish came back, and then after those guys caught, he was gone. It, and very well could have been. You know, while we were out there, too, uh, I don't know if I ever told you all this, but Robert and I were talking the whole time. He's like, hey, I'm working three marlin off the back of this drill ship. He says, I've been over them all day. So I get up there and look, and it's three marlin marks. And if you look at a marlin on a, on a bottom machine long enough, you know what they look like on a bottom machine, and there's three of them. Well, when we caught that fish, we were going over the mark of three. We actually had two fish on at one at, during that bite. We had two separate marlin on. We ended up breaking the one off on the smaller rod to keep the one on the 80. Um, so we, we had a 50 and an 80 out, and that's a class of real 50 class line versus 80 class line. So the one on the 50, we let it, let it get off, and we stayed on the 80. And after we caught that fish an hour or so later, we go back over that spot, and Robert calls me up to the bridge and goes, hey, look, two marlin marks. So one is gone now. So that fish that we pulled away from the rig and fought forever, she probably had to go down and chill, get in thermocline, get back, get her stuff back with mm-hmm. her, you know. So she wasn't there no more, but those other two were. So she probably came back in there after a day or two of chilling out and, and no doubt got ate, it, ate another tuna. Um, I know how high cotton fishes, they fish the same way we do, and they use a live tuna. So. Man, I wonder like about those things. Like it's it's that that takes a knack for sure. And and getting out there and seeing that like in being repetitive in in that sport fishing, you know, offshore like that, it's a it's a whole different ball game. And it very well could have been different fish, but it's very coincidental that wanna, the I, same rig, the same same style of fishing yeah. caught a five hundred pound blue marlin uh, yeah. a week after we caught ours. The the thing that blew my mind was that it was like it 
I just, I would like to think it was right. Just for the sake of like, holy shit, that's cool. And, and there's also like, in my mind, there's data to back that up, right? Whether or not it's just some guy, you know, but the, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's somebody's out there that's watching that fish. And, you know, I'd like to believe that that's true. And to yeah. be within three pounds of, of what we expected it to be without putting it in the boat and weighing it like that. Yeah, was and great. not only watching, he's got video of those fish feet oh, yeah. all he, over his Instagram. That dude goes nowhere without his phone. Yeah, yeah. And he videos everything. But um, no, and his reactions are, are crazy, man. It's so funny. But I want to say for for the guys that are, um, you know, guys and gals or anybody that's that's watching and listening to our podcast, for these, anybody, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys do bass fishing and you'll follow these, you know, freshwater fishermen. This, the the thing that, what did, what is the, uh, like the radar that y'all have on the boat? What did you call oh, it? Oh, it's an Omni. It's a Ferino Omni. Okay, so like that versus like, you know, any, any software that you have for like inshore bass fishing and all that, like live scope and all that, it's totally different. Yeah. It looks completely different. So looking at that versus like, you know, you can throw a jig out in the front of your boat on a live scope and you can see your bait. Like it's, it's that detailed. Whereas I looked at, and I've, I've seen those. And like, when I looked at the, the Omni on the wrapped up, it was like, I was like, what am I looking at, dude? Yeah. It like, I was, if, if you don't know what you're looking at, like you have no idea. Yeah. And, and not only that too. So Unlike the freshwater live scope and everything else, the Omni, you actually have to control the tilt of the of the sonar head. So if I want to look down at 500 feet, I have to tilt the head, manually tilt the head. Or if I want to look at 250 foot of water, I have to tilt the head there, and you have to know what degree. Kind of get in yeah, I mean, it, it's, trying to target. It's, it's almost, a, you could probably do a whole year of college on that deal if you really <laughs> wanted to. I bet the guys who designed that were like geniuses. Yeah, and then you got a bunch of redneck fishermen learning how to use it. So, yeah, I mean, got to be user friendly to an extent. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's almost every bass fisherman too, though. Like using a live scope and how to run that. Most of the people, I'm like, does he even have a high school degree? But he can read the <laughs> shit out of a damn. Yeah, no, those no, are always scope. the ones. That's always the ones, man. No doubt. That was incredible. I, I saw a live scope for the first time, like uh, probably like eight months ago, <clears throat> and uh, I thought it was incredible. I was like, holy shit! Yeah, it's unreal. It's unreal. White perch fishing with it is. Game changer. You just. Yeah. Oh, I will I say this it. though: it, as much shit as people talk on people, and, and people are always going to talk shit, right? If you have, you know, oh, you're working with better gear, so I'm going to talk shit, whatever. But if you have a live scope, doesn't matter. You still can't make a fish eat. No. So, like, no matter what, I was sitting over the top of, you know, what I was seeing is like, you know, there's some bass under here, and I'm putting it right in their face, like I'm hitting them in the head with it, and they just don't want to eat. You know, it's there's it doesn't matter. Like you, you can see what you're dealing with and you can know if you're in, you know, uh, I want to target this area because I know there's fish here, but you can't make them eat. Yep. Yeah. That's the same, that and same with hunting. Oh yeah. And, yeah. uh, don't want to get in that, into that whole debauchery too much, but Ryan, you've, um, you've killed some pretty good deer so far this year Yeah. for your season. I, yeah. Is, so your last white or not last white tail, but you've shot the biggest of your life this year. Yeah, I did. I did. And what did that score? 377 inches. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Absolute monster. Yeah, I've, I've caught a lot of shit for that deer, which is, it is what it is, man. I mean, it's the way I look at it with hunting and fishing. If I'm doing something legal and I'm enjoying the sport, if you have something to say about it, just shut your fucking mouth. It, yeah. it, it, <laughs> I, I don't want to hear it. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything illegal. I'm out here enjoying myself. And you don't know anything about the backstory of that deer. You just see a picture online, you automatically assume something. So, yeah, yeah I want to go ahead and, and before we, you know, we continue into this conversation, preface this by saying, if anybody, um, 
you know, we, because like I said, we have caused some, some flack for these subjects, but if anybody wants to discuss these things further, we're more than happy to talk to you guys about it. We're not trying to hide anything, man. Um, we, we love to go out and hunt and fish and, you know, when these kinds of opportunities get presented to us, I know, obviously we're, we're going to take it and, you know, do what we can to enjoy ourselves and to enjoy the resources and all that. If you guys want to talk about it, man, we're more than happy to talk about it. But, uh, you know, we're not just going to sit here and entertain uh, shit talk. So that yeah. being said, you know, just kind of clear the air a little bit. Ryan sent me that picture. I think it was during the Rice Festival. Yeah. I, I was sitting there yeah. at the booth and I just get Ryan goes, hey, you want to see a little deer I killed? And I was like, of course, this son of a bitch probably kills something. Just, and he sent me that. I just literally just showed Mitchell to my phone and goes, look at this. Yeah. Beautiful. Like, it's a gorgeous deer, you know, and it's a. It had so much junk on it. How many drop times did that son of a bitch have? Uh, it had three. three <laughs> like, I was like, Jesus Christ. That, that, that ranch is absolutely incredible ranch. And, and it's. It's 2,100 acres. It's it's not like I'm in a 50-acre pen. No. And, and they've done their research, and they've done obviously brought in good genetics, and they feed them good minerals. And, you know, you hear people, all oh, that deer was shot up with steroids. And I'm sitting there thinking, what the fuck does steroids have to do with bone growth? Yeah. Muscle growth. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And, and No, they, they took a deer. They raised it on 2,100 acres. There's coyotes and everything else, and their, their mortality rate is huge on this place. They got a deer to grow to a size that is incredible because they took very good care. They were stewards of their land. They planted all kinds of extra food for them. They brought minerals in. They brought protein and feed them corn and do everything they can do to get these deer to, to live their life, to grow to this potential. Everybody does it. That's the thing. Yeah. You just – most people don't have the opportunity to have – the deer that they feed protein and corn and all that shit, they don't have a high fence ranch that they're on. I mean, 2,100 acres, they could be here one day and then they could be all the way across. Yeah. You might never see that damn deer again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people are like, oh, man, y'all just protein feed them. It's like, dude, I hunt low fence anywhere. I'm protein feeding all. I mean, yeah. everybody does it. You, you have the luck, like, you know, the opportunity I, to get to hunt that. I think definitely too, this is something that gets passed on a lot whenever, especially just for like you post a picture of that one particular deer, then, you know, some people just in passing will define you by that one deer, Yep. you know, like that is not, we're passionate about this. We do this a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. the opportunities that we have, obviously we're going to capitalize on whatever opportunities we have for that instance in particular. You're not just like some guy who's just like, you know, oh, I'm going to just go and shoot this one big deer. Like you, you've been hunting your whole life. Yeah. Same way I've been hunting my whole life. Same way. I, I know that you've had some incredible opportunities and gone out and, and busted your ass to go, you know, stalk through these mountains and valleys and go public land hunting and all mm-hmm. that, you know. So for, for that opportunity to present itself, you know, in the midst of, of all of your other hunting, you know, it's just, it's another opportunity yeah. for you to say, yeah, hey, I'm yeah. going to go shoot a big deer. <laughs> I'm by no means trying to make it look like I'm sitting on public land shooting a 377-inch deer. I will tell everybody who asked me, I shot it on a high-fence ranch. But what's funny is you also have a low-fence lease. Yeah. Like a big lease that you mm-hmm. do not shoot that kind of deer. And no. You, you shoot the, you might shoot a, a 120 yeah. Oh, if I shoot a 120 in Freshburg, Texas, I'm going to be posting that picture like it's a 377 <laughs> in the Like it's yeah, hot, absolutely. Baby. That's You know, I've, I've shot, I was thinking on my way over here, I've shot deer on public land with my bow in nine different states. 
and I've shot multiple deer with my bow in Montana on public land. I've been to the highest mountains in Montana and the lowest valleys in Montana, and I've been all over this country hunting deer. And that one deer. Packing out. Yeah. Yeah. Spending the night, sleeping on the ground. And that one deer posted on the internet has has labeled me as a yuppie hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody said the yuppie comment got me, man. That was Yeah, I was like, okay. All right, buddy. Cool story, bro. Whatever. But, you know, I mean, hey, I'll have an intelligent conversation with anybody any day of the week. If you're going to just spout bullshit, I ain't got time for you. Well, like we, like no, I said, it was a beautiful photo. I mean, the photo was good quality. It was a beautiful deer. You looked handsome as shit in it. I was like, I'm going to post this. <laughs> yeah. damn, I'm going to post this photo, you know, and it, it's starting to get now, like now that it's been like two days of posted, like people are like, dude, I, I don't know why there's hate. I would do the same yeah. thing. It's a beautiful deer. What did it score? There's a lot of, there's more yeah. people that enjoy like what, you know, hunting and yep. actually know about that kind of I stuff. I guarantee you if I called any one of those people who were talking shit and said, hey, you want to come to the ranch and, and shoot a deer with me? They would be hauling ass to get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent guarantee. Uh, but it's whatever. Easy. We don't try to... Uh, no try to uh, get into that too much about people hating it just it, it is it's funny because like you are an avid deer hunter you've like you said you've traveled all across the country doing it like hardcore way harder than I ever have m- probably more than most people do dude I get and, home every day and I shoot my bow from 80 to 20 yards every day when I get home I shoot two arrows at 80. All the way down to 20 yards, every 10-yard increment, yeah. every day when I get home. You take the practice, you do the research, you spend the money to be able to go hunt these places, you know, getting tags out of state, all that shit. It's not cheap to travel mm-hmm. to Montana and go shoot mule deer and whitetail and all that stuff. Or you've you've done uh, Nevada, haven't you? So I've done... Not New, Nevada. Uh, New Mexico. Wyoming. Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas... Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. That's a range right there, boys. All right, guys, quick break, and then we're back with some more. The Bayou Dragons podcast would like to thank Floyd Fabrication for sponsoring this podcast. Listen, guys, if you're starting a business, you want to get some prints, you want to get some hats, you want to get some canvases, whatever your need is, Floyd Fabrication's got you covered. Ben Floyd down there in Florida is a real great guy, great friend of the podcast, he has taken care of us in every regard possible. If you guys want quality prints, you want quality shirts, you want quality hats, Floyd Fabrication's got you covered. Check him out on Instagram. Check him out on Facebook. That's Floyd Fabrication. Red Bull Energy Drinks. You see the commercials? They say they give you wings. For us, they help us when we're in the marsh, when the deer blind. We're trying to complete orders at the shop. Start my morning out with the Red Bull. Finish my evenings out with the Red Bull. They have a lot of B12. Yep, I'm growing wings. So all these places, Ryan, that you've hunted, where would you say the prettiest place is, like, that you've bow hunted or rifle hunted, wherever? No, 100% Montana. Montana? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I love Montana. If I didn't live in Texas, I'd live in Montana. What about Colorado? You ever done any hunting in Colorado? I have been to Colorado hunting, and I probably won't go back. <laughs> really? Why not? Uh, I can do the same thing with a lot less elevation in Montana with a lot less competition. Yeah, I, I imagine. And Colorado being pretty centralized, Montana's way up there. Colorado, yeah. a lot of people can make it there a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a pumpkin patch is 
what I experienced the, the time that I went and I, I've been to Montana enough now that I know where I can get on some public land and get away from everybody and still shoot good elk and good mule deer. So and, that's where you've killed your elk is in Montana? Yep, Montana. And what's your biggest elk so far? Uh, I mean, about 300, right under right. like 290 and some change. Not, nothing giant. Yeah, um, but it's still a great bull. Oh, yeah. I mean, he called him in. A boy from southeast Texas went up to Montana and called in an elk. And it's one of those dream things that I always wanted to do when I was a kid. You know, I, was, I used to watch the hunting shows. I'm like, man, I want, one day I'm going to do that. And I went and did it. That's yeah. why you take no shit, man. You got to yeah. be proud about that. Yeah. I would definitely be really proud if I was able to go and have an opportunity like that and make it happen. You know, yeah. like you said, boy from southeast Texas, man, that is so foreign to us. And, you know, you got you to gotta do your due diligence to go and do shit like that. Absolutely. You, did you kill pronghorn up there too, or did you do that in Wyoming? So I've killed pronghorn in Wyoming and New Mexico, and that's a whole different. That's a whole different animal. Um, <laughs> they run seventy five, and it's golly. it's so fun, especially bow hunting them. Uh, we typically decoy them, so we want to make him the buck think that we're another buck, and we use a decoy to essentially piss him off and make him charge you. And then you wait to the last second, drop the decoy, and he's like, "Oh shit!" and he stops. And then a split <laughs> second, you try to put an arrow in him. Mm. And did they ever not stop? I have never held decoy long enough to find out. <laughs> what if you did? That'd be some crazy yeah, shit, yeah. man. You just take a, a pronghorn right to the chest. Yeah. Oh, that'd be wild. I've seen them in, like, I'm hunting in Montana last year. I saw a bunch, you know, just, just hanging out by the edge of the highway. I'm like, yeah. I heard a. Um, so easy to kill you. I heard a statistic. A while back that in some states they outnumber the population. So that's Wyoming. Yes, there's more pronghorn than there's human beings in Wyoming. And I can attest to that. I've actually, so uh, Doug Morrison, and uh, when he was up in North Dakota working, that's how I met Colby Epperson was they brought me pronghorn hunting for the first time in Wyoming. We actually rifle hunted and we, we killed three beautiful bucks on public land and walked forever, got lost in the, uh, got lost in the, the hills of Wyoming, around KC, Wyoming. Actually, we were right next to Chris Ledoux's ranch is where we got ended up getting lost. Oh, and, that old Cadillac ranch? Yeah, that old, yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. And, uh, yeah, I think we finally made it back to the truck at about 3 a.m. And the only time, the only reason we even knew where the truck was, our GPS died. We had one pack with three dead-ass antelope trying to pack, pack them out. and um, Get them out before they spoil. I, I got up on a high enough hill to where I could see the truck silhouetted in the moonlight shining. And I was like, the truck is that way. And I just kind of got a, a radio tower that was kind of close to in line with the truck. We just walked towards the radio tra- tower until <laughs> we got out of there. Well, that's got to be uh, <clears throat> that's got to be a little bit worrisome. Oh, that, that, that's Shitting the same. Your pants, man. <laughs> that's the, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, Porter, but that was the same time that Doug tried to kill Colby and I by leaving the, uh, the door of the Motel 6 hotel room open during a blizzard and I woke up and there was a foot of snow in the hotel room. Why did you do that? How did you not know? (laughs) No. So Colby snores really bad. Yes. Doug couldn't handle it. So he went to go sleep in the truck. Didn't tell us. I woke up in the middle of the night, teeth chattering, mind you. Of course, a boy from Southeast Texas. I'm not used to being cold. Well, no, it's October right now. And I roll over and the motel room door is wide open, and there is a snow bank in the ho- in the motel room <laughs> with us, and Doug and the dog are gone. So I wake up, Colby, and I was like, your dog's gone, and Doug's gone. And he's like, oh, my God, Mo. He doesn't give a shit about Doug. He's like, Mo, where's my Mo? Where's Mo? It's a black lab. And uh, we, ended up, we ended up finding Doug and Mo cuddled up together in the truck in the parking lot. Yeah, he knew. He took that dog with him for warmth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. So that was you and Doug and uh, who else was it? Colby. Colby Epperson, yeah. Colby Epperson. That's Doug Morrison on Instagram and uh, OnlyFans if you want to go subscribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, um, you said Colby's coming down this weekend. Yeah, he's actually he's going to start his drive from North Dakota tomorrow, and he's going to meet me in Fredericksburg, and we're going to go shoot some of them 100-inch low-fence deer. Yeah, Come man. On. Hey, send me some photos so I can post them and people can talk shit on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you um, love it, man. Old Colt. Colby's in North Dakota, and uh, the group, uh, one of the guys that we're hunting with next month in Montana, he just got up to North Dakota, what's today? Was today Sunday? So he got up there Saturday. So Colby yesterday sent me a bunch of pictures of a whole pile of snows on a field up there. So the snow geese are showing up in North Dakota. Yeah. You know. He he said it's not, uh, he said there's some ducks. I mean, they're probably going to end up shooting, you know, just an assortment. They're not going to be just shooting straight mallards and shit like they will be next month. But they I messaged them today. They're just doing some scouting, and they'll be there another 11 days. Yeah. So I'm sure they're going to end up whacking on some birds. And that's the guy you're going to Montana with yeah. later? Yeah. 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 Y'all were in Montana last year when I was in Montana. Yeah, you were like just – I was like maybe 45 minutes from Yeah, now. south. You missed opportunity there. Well, he, was, he was over here shooting stud mule deer on yeah. public land, and we were just waxing graders' asses. Man, that, that was the toughest year I've ever had in Montana for, for deer. It, they had a drought, and it was just low deer numbers at – it took me five days to find a deer to even remotely think about shooting. Yeah, there was a drought because we went, we drove all the way up to like Medicine Lake, which is right there, mm-hmm. like close to the Canada border. And there was literally just a puddle of water in the whole lake. I was like, You said Medicine? It's called Medicine Lake. Yeah. Did you um, go up to Fort Peck? Did y'all see all that up there? Man, I cannot remember. We might have. We did. We drove yeah. a lot. Like we drove all the way to the border and then went west. Um, came back south like we probably drove. Oh, y'all made the loop then. Y'all, we, y'all, yeah, 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 we did a whole loop. Then we went probably almost an. We almost went all the way down to where you were south, just checking shit out, and we ended up just staying where we were, and yeah. you know did great. I tell you this, man. When you go up there and you put in the work to go and find birds, that fuel cost is no joke. Oh man, I mean birds, deer, anything. God, I mean, I spend dog. I spend hours of windshield time looking for deer. Yeah, yeah. We did. Um, we went last year up into uh, Oklahoma and. It's kind of zigzagged across the whole state. Everybody was complaining. I talked to some people who, not natives, you know, guys from around here who make the trip, and, oh, there ain't no birds, there ain't no birds, everything's dry. And so we were like, man, we're going to do it. We're going to go find birds. We're going to smash them. And, um, dude, I want to say it's five of us. We probably spent 500 people. I mean, we spent upwards of $2,000 in fuel yep. just zigzagging across the whole state. I mean, we even worked our way, way up into Kansas just trying to find birds. I mean, it was like we were not going to go up there and not have success. Yeah. Like, we would not tolerate it. Yeah, it, was, it was incredible to the point where we were, like, driving out of places and being like, all right, let's 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 take the drones up. Let's mm. let's figure it out, you know. And it's a drought year again this year, so yeah, no. it's going to be one of those deals. We'll figure it out. I'm, it might take an extra day of scouting, but we'll – there'll be birds somewhere. Yeah. But um, so you don't have no big trips for, you know, any four-legged animals this year? I mean – No, not really. I mean, I'm going to – Focus on Fredericksburg. We got a bunch of deer to shoot off that ranch, conservation wise. With the with TP uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife gave us a, an allotment this year on there. So yeah, I'm looking super forward to that trip. We we'll be going with uh, old Captain Ryan Warhola down in December. Yeah, for a weekend and just have a good time. Between the you have deer, you've been sending us photos almost every day of deer, pigs, turkeys. Oh yeah, man, it is. 
Mm, he's getting me in hot water with the why. <laughs> I'm drooling over my phone. She's like, what are you looking at? And it's a picture of a, a freaking camera that Ryan's got out on his lease. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. when you just lie. It's like Pornhub. It's like, yeah. Don't yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, man, that, I don't know, but I'm, I'm super excited about it. Like I was telling these guys, I haven't filled a, a whitetail tag in years. It's been a long time, man, so I'm, I'm jacked. That place Definitely is, jacked. It's, I love going there and hunting, and it's I, I'm a big bow hunter. That's what I like to do. And when I go there, I know I'm going to see deer, and I know I'm going to see decent deer. I mean, I'm not going to shoot. any. If I shoot a 140 there, y'all, I'm a guarantee you it's going to be on the hood of my truck because there's just not – this is little small – body yeah. size deer i mean it's hill country deer it's it's almost like a, a, a coos deer really is what yeah. i would equate it to yeah you're shooting coos deer i have not i want to but then i also have Fredericksburg, and you might as well call that a coos yeah. deer so yeah. you know i mean yeah. they're you know a big buck there's 120 pounds maybe i think if you look at it that way and you just equate the deer to the deer yeah. and not like the experience versus the experience you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like I, know. I mean I, i'm when i'm there i'm not expecting to shoot a giant 160 plus inch deer I, i'm looking for a 100 to 120 inch deer and if i find a buck that's in that category and i hunt him and actually get him on the ground with my bow that is a huge accomplishment for that yeah. area and that's how i kind of base my hunting when i when I go to Nebraska mule deer hunting, I know I'm going to shoot a 140-inch mule deer. I'm not going to shoot a 200-inch mule deer. Oh, no doubt. I, yeah, and I just meant that in a way of like, yeah. you know, do you want to go and, and you know, hunt a whitetail as opposed to going out and, and you know, walking and, and, yeah. and packing out, stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know. I've never done it. I, I really want to do it. So I, I will, when I'm at the ranch in Fredericksburg by myself, I won't sit in a blind. I'll actually go spot and stalk and, and do like I do in Montana because I love that style of hunting. I love the the – the thrill and the the challenge of finding a deer either putting him in his bed or finding which direction he's feeding or moving and try to get in front of him and put an arrow in him it's um there's an artwork to it that's like a, that's a primal way of doing it man like I, that's something that i have a big desire to go and do i've made some really cool connections and, and some good friends that that go and i mean they like that's the way the, the same way that we've been brought up to hunt, that's the way they've been brought up to hunt. That's all they know, and they're very good at it. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I was just like, that. I would love to go and have that experience. Good you, friend of mine I, I met in Dallas. We had him on the podcast, man. Great guy. That's a, hey, he's spotting stalks, and, I mean, he's in the mountains right now. He's been, when season starts, from start to finish, he's in the mountains, whether or not it's him, you know, getting to harvest something or, or him bringing somebody else, you know. Yeah, that's the, the guy from Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. He, yeah, I mean, he. You know, the, the big thing about that kind of hunting is good glass, good binoculars, good spot and scope. You're, you're, you're using your eyes more than anything. You're not relying on them to come to a feeder like we're used to in Texas. So you have to actually spot the animal before it even comes into anything that you're looking for, right? And it's, it's a cool way to hunt. Oh, dude, yeah, we, we talked about that. And I was like, you know, I, I really want to do this. Like, what do I need? I've got time. Like, we're going to come up. Uh, we're, we're working on trying to get up there with him uh, next year, you know, kind of with the way work is and, you know, having to plan trips and all that and take time off. And so I was like, man, I, I definitely want to come out and just even just get the opportunity to hang out and see how you live and, and how things are out there. And I'm like, what do I need? And he's like, oh, you know, if you got optics, so he's like, we, we pretty much got everything, but if you want to look into it, get some Swarovskis. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, looked them <laughs> up. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go buy a pair. You yeah. Know? Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. cheap. You, uh, your wife, Ryan has killed some deer this year already too, yeah. huh? Yeah, she actually just shot a uh, axis and a, a big uh, whitetail. What What did her whitetail score? It was a uh, pretty was solid one. Two hundred and nineteen inches. Two nineteen. Yeah, that's a stud. 
And that axis was not yeah, small was good, either. Good axis, 30-inch axis. So. Yeah, that's some good good beams on it. Yeah, yeah I, you sent me that, and I was like, oh, we're all just on them. <laughs> steadily on them. Yep. I'm, but I am looking forward, because I used to do a lot of, I had a lease in West Texas for a long time, and I love just that type of hunting. So when you offered up to go to Fredericksburg, I was like, that's perfect. This is yep. what I grew up doing, hunting West Texas. I didn't hunt Southeast Texas growing up. I have... You know, a little bit. I used to hunt South Texas, which is a whole different animal. It's like you're saying, um, you go for the class of deer in what area you are. So like a, a 120 in West Texas, you know, that's like a, a 160 down South, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've killed both. I've killed 120s. I've killed 155s, you know, eight point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I hang on to Fredericksburg too, because obviously I've, young boys they're gonna they're gonna grow up hunting deer there that's a perfect place to start them with too. but it's like bringing guys like y'all with me it's a vibe up there i mean you get in the hill country it's oh, beautiful man. stars campfire oak trees have the pit rolling the yeah whole time. yeah i mean we're gonna have out of like the the humid climate too it's nice yeah. and dry it's like comfortable man it's a, it's yeah. a good place nice. and it's in wine country which oh, oh yeah boy. yeah yeah a couple bottles of wine maybe some good whiskey garrison brothers is right there Come and, on. Uh, Yep. Get the fire going, put a brisket on or ribs or, or just just enjoying life. Yeah. Porter yeah. goes up there and drinks the town dry when he goes up to the <laughs> yeah. country. What's going to be funny, y'all are going to be like, everybody's going to get back in. Y'all have all, you know, got y'all's deer. You're like, where the fuck's Porter at? And I'm just sitting over there at, you know, Augusta Venn, drinking on a Malbec <laughs> Reserve. like bit old Grape Creek. Yeah, yeah, I'm sitting at Grape <laughs> Creek while y'all are hunting. This is like, man, I'll get over there. Like, yeah, yeah. So we're about eight miles north of town. It's it's very nice. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Town with a lot of German heritage. Oh yeah, man. Some oh. of the best restaurants too. Gosh, there's so such good food yeah. there. Not yeah. a lot bad you can say about Fredericksburg, dude. No. It's a great place to be. Well, it's it's our version of Napa Valley except German. Yeah. I'd, and like you have like Auslanders and uh, oh yeah. What's that other German restaurant? That Otto's. Otto's. Yeah. Both of them. That faux gray at Otto's. Fogois or whatever it's oh. called. I don't know how to say it right. I'll call it <laughs> Flagra. Yeah. Flagra. Yeah. That's been our ongoing joke since um, <laughs> me, Doug, Cole went to uh, South Carolina. And then every year, like since then, we try to find a restaurant that sells a good Flagra. Yeah. <laughs> what so is good. it? It's goose liver. Yeah. Oh, goose liver? Yeah. Liver King approved? Yeah. Bro. It's good, <laughs> man. I'm Gosh, telling you. It's good. I'm. I'm looking forward. I, all these, I'm going to try to figure out how to make. I don't, I call it flogger. I don't know. Like you're saying, I, I don't know how to actually pronounce like pronounce. I'm it. pretty sure they're not getting them from a snow goose though, Porter. No, I'm, I'm going to try to get a Greater Canada, and I'm going to see if I can make some flogger <laughs> with it. Like it's I, farm goose, it's it's yeah. got to be something marketable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah imagine we. Oh man, dude, we could probably bring home a pile of liver, bro. I mean, we're gonna. I imagine those birds have some pretty big livers. They do. Those those greater Canada geese have a damn liver on them like that. I'm all about it, dude. Like I, I just I'll need to learn eat, how to actually make yeah, it. Yeah, I will eat everything off of a bird or, or whatever I harvest mm-hmm. that I can. I I've transitioned into that over the past like year or so. It's like yeah. trying to to you know eat everything that I can off of whatever I yeah. harvest. Yeah, know? feathers and all. Dude, yeah. uh, the hearts are good. I, my favorite is the legs, the the mallards and goose. I mean, yeah. you take them. I brine them in a little uh, liquid smoke and brown sugar for about two days, mm. and then I batter them up and fry them. Oh, they're phenomenal! Yeah, I do. I, 
you said feathers. I've been, yeah, I've eaten feathers recently. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I'm not shitting you. I, uh, early till season, we brought home a lot of birds and I had a lot of pin feathers and I was just getting annoyed. Like I got to a point I was picking them with tweezers, dude. Ugh. I was like, this is bullshit. There's way too many. So I just left them on. And, it seemed uh, like a lot of young birds this year during till season. Yeah, man. I, it is what it is. You know, I, we kind of tracked the flight and, you know, the, the green wings started coming down. It was like, all right, you know, we're kind of wrapping up, you know, see, mm-hmm. what, see what's going on. But a lot of young birds, I, I agree. Um, the juvies kind of maintained throughout the entire yeah. flight. And, um, but yeah, a lot of, oh, fuck, I ate some pin feathers. <laughs> I ate some pin feathers, man. Um, You're yeah. saying hearts, the yeah, hearts we'll and the, uh, the hearts and um, the gizzards are, I take them out of every bird I kill because that is the best part mm-hmm. of a gumbo. Oh, Just yeah. Strictly that in a gumbo. So I've been, um, Cable Smith posted on his uh, Instagram about dove hearts. And he uses some sweet and spicy. I, I always use the H-E-B, sweet and spicy that they sell, uh, seasoning and puts them on the trigger and smokes them. I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I'll try it. My four-year-old likes them more than I do, I think. He, he loves them. He's like, Daddy, we have some dove heart today. Well, I always wonder about that because, I mean, you can kill doves in, in greater volumes than anything mm-hmm. else, but the small. Those dove hearts are small. They're tiny. I mean, they're 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 an inch maybe, at, if that, and put a, put about four or five of them on a toothpick and put it on a smoker, and it's it's phenomenal. I imagine that's about like crawfish is around here. You know, it's a little bitty piece, but the uh, payoff is huge. Everybody yeah, loves it, sure. you know. It's a crowd pleaser. I, I cooked some waterfowl for, um, for everybody over here. We had Matt Baker with Snuff Cup down here, um, you know, not too long ago, and um, – you know, he's, he's never waterfowl hunted in the way that we do and you know, had the opportunity to eat that kind of stuff. And, and like, even, you know, over the years, a lot of people that I hunt with on the regular don't like eating waterfowl and I, they don't know how to prepare it. It's, it's really gamey. I'll give them that. And, you know, it, it takes a little bit of, you know, takes a little bit of time and, and some work to do. And, uh, man, I cooked some teal and, uh, dude, I, I fed it to the wives, which was the real <laughs> test. I cooked these birds, you know, and. You know, I was like, hey, you guys have at it, you know. And the wives was the big test. They were like, oh, I think Mitchell's wife was like, oh, this tastes like a Rudy's pork kebab. And I was like, I've done it. I have achieved greatness. This is it. I'll, I, I'm done. Like, this is this made it for me. You know, everybody loved it, man. And so there, there's ways of preparing that stuff, you know, that can you can please everybody, man. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. And I continue to do that. I made some the other night that were absolutely bomb, dude. I, I think that's my favorite thing about being – uh, big into hunting and fishing is is the the table fare that comes along with it and learning how to to master wild game cooking and and there's a lot of guys who you can get on instagram and get good recipes from and it's, yeah. it's not hard yeah I, that's what I, I i am looking forward to this Fredericksburg trip not just for the hunting aspect but we're going to be getting a lot of footage and i want to do some kill clean cook like oh, yeah. we can do that shit with you yeah. you know yep. between turkey pig yep. deer i don't know if there's any like birds like dove or anything up there that you really hunt or not but yeah yeah. so i mean there's no quail i wish there was but there's a lot of turkeys and one of my favorite favorite breakfasts in the world is uh deep fried turkey breast and gravy Mm -hmm. with some eggs phenomenal yeah yeah. i've always i've always heard that like a wild rio grande turkey is not like a, a very good bird to eat but i have heard you know, the same thing about the birds that I've been cooking and preparing for people. And I think that it, it, that probably goes in the same way if you prepare it the right way. It's you know? how you know and how to cook it right. Yeah. Yeah. That goes, that stretches even farther than just cooking it. You know, if somebody just gives you a slab of meat and says, you know, cook it. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I mean, it, that, that starts, you know, after you harvest that bird. Yep, absolutely. Right then and there. You know, you the way that you clean the bird, what you leave on the bird, you know, how you manage, like, whether or not you, like you said, you mm-hmm. leave the legs on. You yep. like to leave legs on your waterfowl, um, leaving the skin on, the fat, and, and all those different things, you know, like, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like ducks. And I'm like, well, how'd you clean them? They just slice the breast right off of them. Yep. Straight meat, super lean, no fat, no nothing. It yeah. just it's, it gets real gamey. Cook, cook it till it's well. Yeah, and then they throw it in a Ziploc with nothing in it mm-hmm. in the freezer and expect it to be fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's there's steps you take, man. Yep. Like, you got to. You, you could take a mallard breast, skin it out, leave the skin on one side, take it, brine it, mm-hmm. pat it dry, put some good seasoning on it, and sear it rare, and people will think it's beef. I had a hard time differentiating. Literally, I, I say I'm saying teal because this is just the most recent thing that we've had access to is teal uh, in the waterfowl aspect. But um, those ones I cooked the other day before I came over and cooked for everybody else, I, I it tastes like a steak. I mean, beef. It had it had a full on beef profile. Yeah, it was just uh, fresh. Uh, I cycled the water, you know, let the blood run out, and you know, uh, you know, kept it in the fridge. Cycled the water, uh, marinated it very briefly, probably 30, 45 minutes, and then seasoned and thrown on the smoker. Yep. Bro, Fantastic. I, had a, I made a badass gumbo the other day. I, I say it was badass because I, I cooked it for all my coworkers at work, and when I got done, it was like one of those deals where they're unbuttoning their pants because they're, <laughs> they're on their third or fourth bowl, yeah. and they're like, like, son of a bitch. What you like, put in this shit? Well, they're like, Order. what is this? And I was like, well, I, I put six full-blown Greater Canada Goose uh, breasts, cut them up i did the hearts and then i did like seven links of deer sausage cooked it down let it simmer for like three and a half hours you know after the fact and they were just eating that shit up they ate it for two days straight and i'm talking when they got done there was like they were crumbling crackers in the juice just at the bottom and was (laughs) eating it with a spoon I was like, hell yeah. You didn't tell them that. Hey, we got a drug test surprise on Monday. I put crack in the, uh, yeah, in the goose by, gumbo. By the way, there's crack in there. That's <laughs> yeah. why it's so good. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I, it's, I, a, it's addicting. One of the things I'm going to do for y'all when y'all are in Fredericksburg is we're going to take a whitetail heart, clean it up. We're going to put it in molasses and let it marinate for two days, and we're going to smoke it and slice it thin, mm-hmm. put it on some crackers. Unbelievably good. I'm looking. Dude. What's the what's the texture like on a heart? I've never eaten it, a white. It's, like, it's like eating. Uh, have you ever had liver? Yeah, it's like eating liver. I mean, okay. it, it's gotcha. organ meat, but it's yeah. it's when you put that molasses on, it starts breaking it down, it makes it a little bit softer, and then smoking it. Obviously, you're, it's it's yeah. it's unbelievably mm-hmm. good. So we might buy some of that fine cheese from Fredericksburg and put oh, it on there. With it. And they got a jam shop right there on Main Street. Oh, yeah. Whatever the Main <laughs> Street is, dude. Yeah. I go in that jam shop. I buy jars, dude. Yeah, that place is. I awesome. buy jars. I get like. I, I probably leave there every time with about five jars, mm-hmm. like the big jars. Of was jam. that Fisher and Wiser? Or is I think that, so. Uh, yeah, it's, then you got the Russell one, and Robs yeah, also. Dude, yeah. You walk in there, bro, they have like walls, like with like five shelves, and it's just jam on every single yeah, wall that's around Fisher the and entire Weiser, place. Yeah. Oh, golly. Dude, I'm buy you a block of cream cheese, put that thing on there. That's going to be cool. Mm. We're going to have some good. Between the GoPro footage, we got Tacticams now. We're going to have camera footage. We're going to have phone footage. We're going to have. We'll be vlogging, and we'll do a podcast up in Fredericksburg also, yeah. you know, during that time. I think I'm going to have to film Matt shooting one with his bow, too. <sighs> yeah, we definitely. Yeah, I, that's going to be I'm, – I'm, I hope I get the opportunity. Oh, you'll have the opportunity. I'm, it's if you capitalize uh, on yeah, the opportunity. I'm already the shaking just thinking about <laughs> it. Dude, I, I want you to get him, and I want to sit down and film, or you, whichever. Tanner has never killed a deer. Yeah. 
get a, get his first deer and his first reaction. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's gonna dude, be really cool. It's ultimate, I'm excited about that. ultimate opportunity for that for Tanner having not shot a whitetail for us being in the position that we are to film that. Like that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, show be he'll be able to show Evan. Hey, this is your this is when I shot my first whitetail, and yeah. it's a video that you know you and I filmed for him or something like that. I've been a part of a few people's first deer, and it's like, dude, it makes it's way cooler than when you shot one. It's oh yeah. Like, Dude, they're pumped, especially like a kid. Not not saying Tanner's a kid, but I've taken some kids hunting before, and they shoot a deer, and they're like, just, yeah. <sighs> just excited. Dude, I'm telling oh. you right now, I, I could go and shoot a um, like a white-tailed doe, and I'm still like, oh, that's I'm me. still shaking. That's me. I get excited over anything I shoot. I shake. Now I shake more after than before. When I was younger, I shook before, but now I... I finally learned how to breathe and keep myself calm. Right. And then after the shot, I fall completely apart. And it doesn't matter if it's a 377 or a 87. Well, there's a, yeah, there's, <laughs> you know? the, there's the art to it. Right? Yeah, like it's you, like, you get past the point and you're like, okay, I can let it all out. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Off. Absolutely. But I, if you lose that feeling uh, in hunting, then you might as well not do it. Well, that, that's yeah. like the last podcast I was on. That's exactly what we, we talked about that last time. If you, if you quit getting excited, you don't need to be doing it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I get excited for deer I, when a duck does it right and they mm-hmm. land in the decoys oh, or gosh. they just float down and get next to your silhouettes or just really anything wild game. I mean, just fuck when I'm, I cast up on the bank underneath the log and I just feel that. I wish we could have a um rock hard. like a first person camera like in all, mm-hmm. on the videos that we do when like birds are working in like we have you know the spread and all that uh, and you guys will see that on YouTube here before long but I wish we could have like a first person cam of like the look in your eye yeah like just you could literally see like yeah. if you had every single person we'd all be looking like this and, and that's kind of my hunting is starting to transition more towards getting more people that I'm close to involved with it and and bringing them and showing them hey. This is the piece of property that I, I'm a steward of, and this is where I hunt, and I want you to come enjoy it. And I want to see you enjoy yourself on some property that I've t- taken care of for the last couple of years. Yeah. You know? I mean, you have the means to do it. I mean, I, that's what I would do too because that's just sharing the wealth yeah. and people experience and shit. Like the, the, when Tanner goes up there, dude, he's going to be tickled pink the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this this weekend I've got a buddy, my real close friend of mine. We grew up fishing together. And his son, they're on a lease in West Texas, and they won't let his son bow hunt. And I said, he's 15 years old. He's old enough to bow hunt as long as he's consistently accurate on a, on a target. Bring him to my place. He can shoot whatever he wants to. I want to see him enjoy himself kill his first both kill. Hell, yeah. That'll be dope. Try to get that on film. Oh, I, I plan to. Yeah, that'd be cool. Put oh, that on. Oh, man, the- I can't wait. I'm going to have cameras strapped up on every angle. Porter's going to go into the bathroom to go take a shit. I'm going to have a camera in there. Elliot, I'm getting, getting everything, boy. I'm, I'm getting gonna, everything. I'll vlog it. Man, we had a big <laughs> pot of beans yesterday. <laughs> this is how we feel today. Oh, I'm jacked about it, dude. I love that. I love catching the experience, and and more so for myself and, and for you guys to be able to share that with y'all. You know, like you you said something on a video. Actually, I showed you a video earlier we did of like uh, some – some teal season bloopers and you were like, yeah, if we, if we kill a duck, that's just extra, man. Yeah. That's extra. I, I love getting to see everybody yeah. enjoy themselves and have that experience. And if, if we have success and like all that, that's, I think that's, that's extra, be, man. I think that's gonna be a, a funny deal that we do is just hunting bloopers. Yeah. doesn't even have to be, you know, a certain type of hunting, but like I threw on my waiters first day of teal season, I had dirt dauber nest. And oh, <laughs> like, I'm just like, what the f- it, that's that's the thing about hunting, and the kill is the most the smallest portion of the whole entire experience. It's that's so minute compared to everything else that goes into it. Yeah, yeah. 
we had that um I was kind of running through. I showed him that uh, video I was working on. I was just kind of like laying in bed last night, and I was like, I'm going to throw this video together. I had some footage, and it was like the the blind footage was the best part, like the, the part I wanted to showcase. Tanner's over there hung over, sitting in the blind, like, ah, you know, still out there. We got out there at midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. Tanner's just trooping it out. You know, Porter's got that teal call right in his face, just kind of beep, 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 beep. I'm laughing so hard I can't oh, even dude, blow a like call. That, I'm just screeching the, it in those his Those are ear. the moments that, like, I tell people about, like, dude, you would have had to have been there. And to be able to capture that and share that with people is just freaking awesome, man. Absolutely. It's so much fun. So I know one thing that a lot of people have been asking uh, whenever we were, like, posting that we were at Gator Fest and Rice Fest and Texas Trophy Hunters is that, like, they're like, dude, you need to come up to Alabama or down to Florida or – Minnesota, like, do these shows, and uh, me and Matt have been working on basically a whole list. Like, right now we have, like, 20 shows that we want to do next year, and I think it's nine or ten different states. So, if anyone that is, you know, been following us and listens to the podcast and stuff, at the January we'll have everything lined out and we will be posting where we'll be, what the dates are, you know, do some meet and greet kind of stuff, and... Yeah, you guys have been really good about being vocal in the uh, comments on YouTube. Um, if you're in those states, man, you think of anything you guys got going on, any shows that we could kind of come out to and just hang out, let our presence be known, jump in the comments, man. Let us know. We would love to hear it. We're open to uh, new opportunities. So that being said, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll end up – we'll do some stuff next year too with old Ryan Warhola. Yeah. Bring some, bring some snapper slapper lures to a yeah. show and be like, look, I know we're in Missouri and there's no snapper around, but <laughs> – you can catch pike with it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we're gonna have Walleye. a definitive Walleye. list of what you can catch with snapper slapper. Yeah. Dude, I'm going to only fish with that in the spring, just so I can like try to catch everything, <laughs> like win a tournament just fishing with yeah, snapper. Yeah. I really want to get a group of guys together and go to Alaska and go bottom fishing with them for for like four or five days, dude. That'd and be just dope. get some really good content. Well, man, you you're friends with some guys that can get some really good content. <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah. there's like four of us. So. Yeah, yeah. We try no our doubt. best, man. We yeah. do our best. Yeah, we'll we'll go catch halibut and whatever the hell else they have in Alaska. It only gets better from here. Is oh, what yeah. I can assure you. Yeah, there's some really cool trips we got planned this year. We got to knock out a few, but we're gonna we will start, you know, doing a lot more documentation yeah. with everything. Yeah. Like we're, our we're, our big trip Montana's coming up in soon, Matt. What? A less than a month. Yeah. There and, there has been like a I want to say a lack of content, right? But we're we still haven't really made the move into content as far as like document our hunts really well. Um, so the reason I feel like there's a lack of content is because we're trying to to present the best you know videos and and things that we possibly can. So if I go through and I film a hunt and I feel like that's not good enough, like I don't really have the footage I want to present. It kind of looks like shit. Like I'm not gonna throw that out there, yeah. you know. So. We're gonna get it right. We're gonna we're gonna keep working on it, and you know we're, we're we're just a bunch of guys, man. We're just we're just like you guys. Uh, anybody that's out there listening or watching, you know, we're, we're just like y'all, man. We're we're just trying to figure it out. It's that old adage: quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's that's the the idea that we've taken into, um, you know, all of our presentation on social media. Uh, it's a little bit different. When you're trying to string together uh, a lot of footage, though, yeah, you know it's it's easy to 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 go through and say, all right, I'm gonna put a 10 second video together. I can get some, I can get quality for 10 seconds. Like no matter what we're doing, I can get quality for 10 seconds. But when you when you go into it and you're like, all right, I 
I got to make a full production. It's a little bit different, but um, we're getting there, man. And it's coming along good. And I'm proud of the progress that we've made, man. Yeah. I think it's going great. Well, it all takes a while and just getting the gear that we have now. We've been slowly buying good shit. We went from, you know, taking stuff on an iPhone camera to now we're running two cameras. We have drones. We have tactic cams. We have, you know, we're putting in the money to be able to put yeah. some good shit out for y'all. So we've really been really, we've been really reserved in that regard too. Like we're more focused on getting out like our, our merch and stuff like that. And so a lot of the money has been delegated towards like going back into the business and, and uh, we have spent quite a bit of money on the content side of it, but I mean, like I said, we, we still have been uh, pretty preserved on that. So but it'll get there, man. I'm excited about it. I'm freaking checked about it. Honestly, if yeah. I'm being honest, like what it, God, the ceiling is so high. Like I, I'm, I'm just really excited to share the experiences and be able to get the kind of content that like, I would just, like I, I've watched some of our videos, like the sequence where we caught the Marlin. Oh yeah. I watched that over and over again. Yeah. I'm super proud of that. The fact that it was in a 45 minute video is kind of like, eh, it kind of takes away from it a little bit, but it's still out there. It's still out there. And man, I'm freaking proud of that. That was I mean, awesome. I mean, you that, start, but that whole video, that 45 minutes isn't 45 minutes of shit. It's 45 minutes of very good video. And, and you had to tell the story getting up to that Marlin. Yeah. Um, I feel like for the average viewer, uh, you kind of have to scrunch it down yeah. and I was not okay with that. I got you. For me, that was an experience. You know, so I want to, and I'm not saying like you're the average viewer, like you understand and you appreciate mm-hmm. that. But, um, you know, for people who are just stopping by, they're like, fuck, I'm not going to watch a 45 minute video, yeah, yeah. you know? So it's, if it, it's, it's pick your poison. Do you want the views or do you want to put out something you're proud of? And, and for that, I couldn't compromise. I was like, man, I'm getting everything that I can of this experience into this video, 45 minutes or not, like it's going out there, man, yeah. because that was unreal. And so I... I, I mean, it, it could have been even longer, too. Oh, yeah, you still like have, it could have been even longer. I was like, man. Like we'll be able to make some more clips with just more of the stuff that you didn't post a lot of stuff from that trip. Yeah, that's that's hiding on my hard drive right now. It's, <laughs> it's coming. It's going to come camping out. out. Oh, Start boy. doing more reels and stuff like that on YouTube. So, guys, I um, on Tuesday, I got my wisdom teeth pulled out, and uh, a little bit of dinner just came out of one of my teeth holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's lovely. Second, uh, second breakfast. So I like to call that. Matthew has two gaping holes, and right before we started this podcast, we ate a damn one pound ribeye with asparagus and macaroni and cheese. <laughs> my first, very good. My first solid meal in a week, and I promise you, I'm gonna pay for it tomorrow, man. I've been eating soup and like uh, protein shakes and all that shit, dude. Oh, it sucked. It's not been good. I've been on that liquid diet, boy. Matt was like, he goes, dude, look at my mouth, and like pulled his gums back, like his mouth back, Ugh, dude. It's and not it's, good. Those there's two holes just gaping with just food packed into it. I was like, oh my god, yeah, it's disgusting. Dude, I, it really is. It's not cool. So lucky on my wisdom teeth. You know, obviously they came in, but the my dentist was like, Ryan, they're they're not bothering you. We're not going to pull them. I'm like, okay, they're not bothering me. So that's me too. I still got all mine, and that my uncle's my dentist goes, they hurt. Like no, so you're good. Yeah, that's how mine was. Same with you. Didn't pull yours, Ryan? Mm-mm, no, I'm damn near forty. I still got them. Oh, man, so look, I went before my wedding. My wife was like, "Babe, you need to go get your teeth cleaned." I was like, "All right, thanks." You know, appreciate that. Gave me a little self conscious a little bit about that, but so I went. And I went to the dentist, and you know, I got my teeth cleaned and all that, and they did X-rays. They were like, "Um, like you, uh, you gonna get your wisdom teeth pulled?" And I was like, "I didn't plan on it. They're not bothering me." They're like, "Uh." You need to get them pulled, man. Like, they showed me the x-rays, and they were like, 
they're what they call impacted, right? Mm-hmm. So my molars in the back are growing pretty much just straight up, straight out of the gums. My wisdom teeth were growing at like a 90 degree angle mm-hmm. into uh, my molars. And they were like, you need to get these pulled. They're going to cause you problems. They're going to wear away your back teeth. And I was like, okay, whatever. And they weren't bothering me, so I just didn't even give a shit. Got married and yada, yada. And eight months go by. I'm cool. Didn't even think about it. Then they started hurting. I was like, fuck. So uh, <laughs> I made an appointment <laughs> to go get them removed. Dude, and they pulled them out. All four of them were like, they had to cut them out. Like it was, mm. oh, yeah, whatever. So I came out of the surgery. I felt good, dude. That day I was fucking in some pain mm. and it, it sucked. When I got home that day, it was, it was a real bad day. And then, but you know, after that, you know, the pain was fine. It, I, I managed through the next couple of days, but I just couldn't eat any food. And, um, yeah, now I just have these big giant gaping holes in the back of my mouth. And anytime I try to eat anything, um, food gets in there. It's just not good, man. I took some like tweezers and like tried to get food out the other day and I like jammed myself in the gum and like just made me want to (laughs) cry. So (laughs) I'm just okay with it now. It's just, you know what all this did though, Matt built the shit out of your character. Yeah. You're stronger stronger now. Yeah, you are strong. I asked him, I was like, you put a dip in? Yeah. He was like, no, I'm a better man for it. Um, yeah, can you imagine the buzz you would get right now though if I just took some like a pinch of snuff and just put it in the, the bloodstream? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, oh, man. I um, <clears throat> this might sound gross to some viewers, but I I took and um, like tried to measure how much like I was bleeding a lot, and so I was I had this water bottle I was like spitting into. They're like, yeah, don't drink out of a straw, don't do this, don't do that, whatever. Like I couldn't stop. Like I had to get. They were like, don't spit, just leave it. Like just I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm. Yeah. You know? They're like, oh, you're going to bleed, whatever. So I was like, I was trying to like spit all this shit out. I had a, a bottle, a water bottle by my bed because I was laid up for like a day and a half. And um, it was about half full of just straight up just blood. Oh, shit. Just blood. God. Like that, that, that's that got to do something to you. <laughs> you lose that amount of blood just like, you know, oh, casual well, just <laughs> spitting blood. Dude, this is at, so on the blood topic, Ryan the other day had a sent me a pretty funny I say funny, not really funny, but kind of funny picture. Just first thing in the morning, I, the, like the very first thing I see is a photo of Ryan with blood running down his chest. It's like a selfie in his underwear. <laughs> and I was like, like, what the hell happened? He goes, I got shot. <laughs> Do you want to t- tell the, what happened? Like, I'm curious now. Yeah, I didn't even tell you about that. No, I didn't even know. Yeah, so in my younger years, I uh, took a bullet in the left side of my body in the top in my shoulder. <laughs> oh no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so anyways, I, I started feeling really shitty, and I, I told Brittany, I was like, I feel like shit. And I had a bump coming up on my left side, and I was like, man, I don't know if it's a pimple or what it is, but it started bumping up, and I go to sleep. Running fever. I mean, I'm talking like I thought I had the flu. Sweats and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, cold sweats, everything. And you know, I get in bed and I was sweating to the point where I wake up and I'm I'm wet. And I'm like, God dog, I, I sweated so bad. I must have broke a fever in my sleep and this and that. And I get out of bed and I'm obviously in my my boxers and no <laughs> shirt on, you know. And I walk out in the living room and her face was just like, Oh my she had this look on her face. And I said, like, What? She goes, you're covered in blood. What the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And I look, and I just got coagulated blood running down oh. all the way down my body. And I'm like, walk in the bed, and there's a pool of coagulated blood there. And apparently a, a fragment 
was still in there, Stayed in there yeah. and it it's festered like, up. So up that's why surface. I was having fever oh. and feeling like shit. And it came out yeah. in my sleep. 10 years later. Yeah. 10 years. Jeez. Finally popped out. Like, and the, I've, I've heard stories of people that like, like the, back whenever, um, people used to actually have like feathered pillows and stuff. Like if a feather feather, like would go in like people's necks or whatever, it would come back. Like your body will yeah. push It'll, whatever. Yeah, back yeah, out. Yeah. And Ryan just sends me a picture of this hole in his chest. <laughs> I was like, it like broke, it broke through the skin. Or? Yeah, no, it came out. It was good. It, it came out. Yeah, it was just a little piece of fragment, a piece of jacket of it. Yeah, just ten yeah. years later, no big deal. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, they missed that. <laughs> they missed that. <laughs> Jeez, so, yeah. yeah. Put the damn arc reactor in your chest just to keep I, it I, out. I just, did, I just did a little little super glue, and we went on about our business. Yeah, yeah I, I just did. slept on. Uh, that was a slept-on remedy, that super glue, man. Yep, yep, no doubt. Get you out of anything. Yeah, my son. So I've got a, a four-year-old and a one-year-old and uh, at Rice Festival. So my son was in the uh, Little Rice King Parade, you know, or uh, contest, got first runner-up. He's all excited or whatnot. But little did everybody know that the night before the uh, actual contest, his one-year-old brother decides – I'm, I'm walking out the door to go hunting, right? And I'm I'm getting all my stuff together. And I had my quiver full of broadheads. And I'm like, man, I can't leave these anywhere where the kids can get them. I'm going to put them in my truck. Well, I forgot my truck keys in, in my room, in our room. So I, I walk. I'm like, shit, I don't. I'm, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm not going to carry these all the way back to the room. I'm just going to put the quiver up high. Well, in the two minutes it took me to to walk back to my room, my one-year-old gets on a box, gets on top of the the table, up on the shelf, grabs my quiver, Gets down, pulls an, an arrow out of my quiver, and whacks his brother in the back of the leg with it. Jesus. Yes. Razor sharp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he's got a gap in the back of his leg, and I'm like, holy shit. Super and glue. Super glue. Super glue. Uh, Stary strips and a little bit of super glue. And you keep that on you, too. Oh, yeah. I, I Well, I have, you know, 14 years of being in law enforcement. Yeah. I carry a complete kit everywhere I go. I've got, I can do a minor surgery if you need me to <laughs> yeah. on the side of the road. You I might not know exactly what I'm doing, but I got the shit to do it with. Yeah, you're better off than having somebody who yeah. absolutely doesn't know. Yeah, anything so I mean, I, ca- I carry super glue. I carry steri strips. I carry gauze. Obviously, I carry about six tourniquets anywhere I go. Um, you know, you never know when you're going down the road, the opportunity to save somebody's life is always there. I mean, I, I've, I've yeah. saved I've saved two different people's lives just by applying a tourniquet when I was a cop. Yeah, just knowing, hey, he's got an arterial bleed. Let's put a tourniquet on, hmm. and knowing how to do that, and that's you know, I, I I keep those skills with me even though I'm not a cop anymore. I might one day be driving down the road and Joe blows bleeding out on the side of the road. Well, guess what? I can fix you. Yeah, I can just think about a time like just right off the top of my head, just you saying that. I was, there was a time where if I had those kinds of skills. I don't know how these people turned up, but like we, I left the, um, I, I don't know if, it, I think it was rice festival one night and there was a bad wreck or something like that. And I was like, just so happened to be behind these people, you know, and they were real bad off, but, um, it took, it took a while, you know, for them to get responded to. I was there with them and I was like, man, I was thinking about that. Like maybe I, if I would have had those kinds of skills, you know, I might've been able to help. I don't know how they turned out, but you know, yeah. best to let, best to leave that probably to the people who know how to handle that yeah. kind of stuff. But that's crazy, man. Do like, you keep you in my back pocket? Do you ever uh, miss the law enforcement, Ryan? You know, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the brother and the sisterhood and everybody being tight-knit and everything. I don't miss the bullshit politics. I don't miss the administrations who don't back their their people doing their jobs and wanting to help the community and folding to the bullshit politics. Yeah, yeah. Um, everybody that I've known in law enforcement – 
you know you get a you get a really bad rap oh you're a racist or you're, you're this especially if you're a, a, a middle-aged white male in law enforcement you're, you're a racist piece of shit that is not true at all in, in in anybody that i've ever been around i i when i was responding to a call i didn't ask the dispatcher what color their skin was or anything was i just wanted to go help people yeah, yeah. you know and i i I kind of stumbled into the career and I, I fell in love with the helping people aspect. And then I fell out of love of law enforcement because of the bullshit that I was catching daily. I mean, daily I was catching just getting called every name under the book and getting talked to like a piece of shit and a dog and this and that. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. There ain't enough money in this anymore. Y- yeah. y- y'all can have this. I, I experienced now a completely different industry, not dealing with like, um, you know, in necessarily like a, a, fight or flight, life or death situation. But like I got into a situation where I was, you know, I started and this is in, uh, you know, oil and gas. Like Mm -hmm. I was an operator. I was, I was on the floor. I was with these guys every day, busting my ass. And then I got into management and then it became satisfy your boss, make these people happy. And you kind of lose, I, I've experienced like, I kind of lost sight briefly of, you know, the guys I used to work with every day, yeah. you know, I kind of lost having their back. And then I was like, I realized that I'm glad I realized that because I was like, Oh, hold up. Like, I, these are my guys. Yeah. I got to have their back. Like these are yeah. guys that are out there busting their ass every day. So I sh- quickly shifted back into that. And I was like, Hey, look, you know, like I'm not here. Like, obviously I want to do my job and, and, and satisfy the customer and my boss and like whoever the bigger guy above me is. But but man, these are my guys. I got yeah. their back, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that could be lost upon people, and in, in that, you know, start going up the chain and all yeah. that shit. Uh, politics start getting involved. It's it's no good. But I, you know, I left. I was a lieutenant. I had thirty two guys under me on patrol, and I'll be honest. I when I wasn't working at night, and those guys were out there on the streets, I would I would lay in bed worrying about them too, and worried about you know what happened. Those are, those are my guys. Yeah. And I still see them. There's a lot of guys, you know, that I used to work with that I see in town and Winnie and everywhere else. And, you know, hey, Lu- hey, Lieutenant, what's going on, man? What's up, LT? How you been? LT. You know, I mean, you know, they're uh, great guys. And I, I, I miss the brotherhood. I, I miss, the, you know, I mean, we had a lot of good um, young men and women that worked with us. And I miss that. But I don't miss the, the bullshit politics. And, and the. I mean, it's just a it's a hot topic these days to be a law enforcement officer and more power to the people who are still doing it. And the people have done it for longer than I I mean, I did 14 years. Yeah. And I was like, man, I could do another six, but fuck that. Life's too short. I'm not going to deal with this bullshit anymore. You think you were like a role model for some of those people? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm sure. Um, You know, there was guys coming out of out of the academy, young, young kids, 21, 22 years old and. I was 35 years old. I was lieutenant. I've been on SWAT for 10 years. I, I've, I've done, I've worked undercover for years. I mean, I've done pretty much everything you can do in law enforcement other than me. I was never a, a criminal investigator. I never did like the, the detective stuff on the petty crimes. I always worked in uh, narcotics, cartel interdiction. I was on DEA task force. I did um, human trafficking, sex crimes. The, the, the shit that, that goes on day to day that you see in the news is what I was trying to Trying to be, yeah, trying to make a difference in. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the same way that, like, like I say, the the reason I asked you that is, like, if you, whether or not you felt like you were a role model for those people, like, uh, like I still see high school coaches, and they're, like, real estate agents now. Like, they're not even doing that anymore. I'm like, what's up, coach? You know, because that person made a difference in my life, had a positive impact on me, and, you know, I looked up to that person, you know. When I was in a leadership role. Uh, even if I didn't have to wear a uniform, my guys wore a uniform. I wore a uniform every day. Yeah. I would show up to calls 
and make sure that I was there supporting them. I wouldn't sit in the sidelines. I'd walk up and, hey, you need me to do this? What do you want me to do? You want me to help you? I'll do this. And and a lot of times in that career, you get these older guys who don't want to do shit and they just want to sit there and not have to do a report. I, I wouldn't do that. Uh, if my guys were out there on it, I want to be part of it. And I think that that, that equates anything in the world. Though. I mean, any, any kind of leader posi- leadership position you're in, whether it be in oil and gas or whether it be in a Fortune 500 company or whatever, if you're a true leader, you're there with your guys doing what they're doing every day and showing them how to do it better. Yeah. That's I well agree, put. Man. That, that, goes, <clears throat> that goes deep, man. Uh, definitely for the guys, like, if I'm on the other end of this and I'm listening to this podcast – and, I mean, this was me six months ago. If I'm sitting at work right now behind the board, you know, loading a ship or something, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm like, I want you as my boss. <laughs> like, I, I want that kind of guy, man. Everybody, yeah. you know, for you to set a positive example is really important, man. Yeah. Um, the way Ryan treats me, I'm I'm thinking about just going ahead and just working for him. Shit. <laughs> well, it's like that that uh, Wolf of Wall Street, like, I quit my fucking job right now. Yeah. 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 Show me show me your paycheck. Show me a paycheck. I quit my fucking yeah. job right now. Yeah. I'll go work for you. I'll go work for you. Yeah, no, I mean and that's I think that's why I've been successful in my transition into yeah. what I'm doing now with Dragon Industrial Rap is I'm there every day. I put on my FRs and I go out in the field and do installs. I help those guys who are technicians. If there's anything, any questions, anything that comes to me, you my door is always open. That's another thing I've always done. I don't ever shut my office door. If you work for me, you can walk in my office at any moment of the day and ask me a question and my door's open. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, um, that gets tough too. I, I can attest to that. Um, being there for your guys, man, is, is a huge deal. Um, I told these dudes whenever I, I got into my leadership position, I was like, look, guys, I've been there, done that. Like, I was working with you guys yesterday and now I'm in a new role. If you guys need me, call me. I'm here anytime. And, they most certainly did, you know, 24 hours a day. I was on call, you know, they're, they're calling me, you know, texting me, whatever. I'm always there for them. So I think that's a huge deal, man. And I mean, shit, proud of you for that, man. Like that's, that's great. I, uh, that's definitely a, a quality of a leader for sure. Yeah. That's what we all strive to be, you know, Warhola gets a lot of phone calls. Yeah. A, a lot. A few. And you, you answer every single one of them, which is good. I try to not answer any phone calls ever. Unless it's my old lady who's like, where are you at? Oh, like, bullshit, shit, dude. Yeah. I called Porter the other night. It was like 1130 at night. <clears throat> and I was like, ah, oh, he's probably not awake. Phone rings. The guy's not going to answer it. Hello. <laughs> shit, did I wake you up? He's like, yeah, man, what's up? I'm like, I thought you were on nights, dude. My bad. He's like, no, nah, I'm sleeping. I was like, oh, I mean, you know, my bad. You know, I'll, I'll call you back tomorrow. He's like, no, nah, what's up? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm here for you. <laughs> Oh man, I was a. Uh, I had a a meeting last week with a bunch of one of those uh, big oil companies. I'm not going to say the name, just out of you know. I don't. I don't know if they want to hear their name out there or not. But I was in a big. They bear. probably listen to the Bayou Dragons podcast. Yeah, they might. You never know. You never know. You know, these these multi billion dollar companies might be listening. But I was in a meeting, and I, one of the things that I'm going to highlights when I talk about Dragon Industrial Rep is if you call with an emergency job, I'm answering the phone. Not, not, not one of my technicians, not one of my assistant technicians, me, president of the company, is going to pick up the phone at 2 o'clock in the morning and answer it. And I, I told them that, and everybody's looking at me like, yeah, bullshit, whatnot. I, I swear to God they were trying to test me because... They called you? Yes, the very next night at 2 o'clock in the morning, my phone rings, and I'm, hello? Hey, is, is this Ryan? Y- yes, it is. 
hey, this is so-and-so with such company. Uh, hey, we got an emergency out here. Um, okay, this is what you need to do. Get this to me. And I'll get my engineers to get a solution together, and we'll have a crew out there. And they're like, oh, okay. Hour later, phone rings. Hey, is this right? Yeah, yeah same same phone number. It's, it's me. me. Yeah, and it's you know, me. We, we got a, their job done and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I swear they were trying to test me. But, yeah, that's one of my things. I'm going to answer the phone. Yeah. Take away from this section. Be a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Be don't, the guy you want to work for. Don't worry, Ryan. I'm not going to call you at 2 in the morning hey. unless I'm just in a bind. Hey, you, you, you can. I know I can. I'm but setting my alarm tonight. Dude, I mean, <laughs> and that goes back to if, if you want to be successful – don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Be the, be the one out front doing it for yourself. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I've learned in the last two years of doing what I'm doing now is I'm only going to be as successful as I'm going to make myself be. And I can't wait for somebody else to do it for me. So I'm going to go out there and do the best that I can to provide for not only my family, I have people underneath me that I'm worried about their families too. Yeah. Now that, I, that we have this company, we have these people that work for us. I'm not worried about just, just the Warhola family. I'm worried about every other family that is under my umbrella at Dragon Industrial Route. Yeah. It's the same way. Everything evolves, man. Your interests, they evolve over time. You may start, you know, in with, with one interest in mind and, and being one-dimensional, but everything evolves, man. And like you said, starting starting a company, uh, obviously I'm not speaking for you, but, you know, you may have started with the idea of doing one thing and then it evolves into the next, and now you're interested in, you know, taking care of your people and all that stuff, like, just thinking about myself like the same way my hunting interests involved mm-hmm. evolved, you know, into starting for one reason and now, you know, falling in love with wildlife and the conservation aspect of it and everything. I mean, it, it's it's all the same. Everything evolves. Hell yeah. Well, shit, I think that was a, a smooth, very smooth podcast, Ryan. And um, we always enjoy having you on. We're going to be having you on again here very soon. Yeah. Probably multiple, like, we, I have a couple of different podcast i'm really wanting to do with dude you. i think what we did on this one every time we got to an intermission we're like you guys ready for another one we could do that probably four or five months. oh yeah we can yeah, <laughs> we, we can keep rolling i could keep going right now but yeah, I, I think yeah, uh yeah. you you have a stew yeah, right yeah, on the in the crock pot <laughs> right, Miss, yeah, what yeah, is it yeah. the mississippi yeah queen? I, got a, I got a mississippi uh pot roast in there queen. yeah first time doing one, we'll see how good it is hell yeah that's uh, gonna be good man it's yeah. gonna be good. well thank you so much for yeah. coming on the podcast man captain ryan warhola on TikTok, Instagram, if you guys want to check him out. He's always doing something cool, offshore fishing, shooting whitetail, traveling out, the country. Check out Snapper Slapper Lures. Yeah, Snapper Slapper Lures. This is the man himself right here. And if it's you do Ryan work at a pipeline uh, company, yeah, go ahead and call Dragon Wrap Industrial. If pipelines, you're refineries, oil yeah. rigs, I mean, anything anything yeah. in that oil and gas industry, we service you. Yeah, guys, Dragon Wrap Industrial. The local channel, I don't know, this is probably <laughs> not the same for everybody. They run an ad. On the uh, the primetime football games, and I was telling him earlier, it's so great they have this man. Uh, do you know this man personally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a local guy. This yeah. guy, he does the whole. He's like the Ford guy, Dragon Industrial Rap. <laughs> yeah, it's does a great, a freaking great yeah. job. But hey, thanks so much for stopping by, man. We really appreciated having yeah, you. And uh, happy to be here. I enjoyed enjoy the it. shit out of it, man. Looking forward yeah. to the next one. Yes, sir. Absolutely.